Old Testament reading today is the healing of Naaman. Hear these words from God, from the second book of Kings, starting at the fifth chapter. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master. Because of him, the Lord has given victory to Aram. The man, through a mighty, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told the Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. And he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel. Which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he has is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, and he sent a message to the king, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And he turned and went away in a rage. But the servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet commands you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when he said to you, wash and be clean. So he went and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the words of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. And then from Luke, the 10th chapter, starting at the first verse, we're going to spend several weeks in this chapter This very interesting tale of 
Jesus, not just sending out the 12, but sending out 70 people in pairs to do the work of harvesting those who will follow Jesus once he has left the earth. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town, the place where he himself intended to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace... Your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remaining in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. For the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions. And all over the power of the enemy. And nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if the ushers are prepared, then I'd ask you please to bring forth the box full of copperheads and put it right here in the middle of the aisle so that those who want to come and handle the snakes will be able to do so. The line will start right here. If you can just go ahead and line up. Those of you who want to handle the snakes and scorpions? Nobody? Nothing? Anybody back here want to handle the snakes and scorpions? Nobody? Okay. Well, you you all do know that we have brothers and sisters in the southern part of this state who do that. And if you've wondered where it comes from, this is the place. Because Jesus 
in this text says very clearly, I have given you authority even over snakes and scorpions. And so some people think they have the authority to literally handle snakes and scorpions. Now, it might be that Jesus here is saying, I have given you authority over snakes and scorpions. You know that guy? That snake that's your neighbor whose fence is about three feet over into your property line? You, you all know snakes, right? Snakes? You work with a snake? Guy who cheats on his taxes or his wife or doesn't like his children and his dog? You have authority over them. You have authority over the people whose towns you enter, whose homes you come into. Jesus has said, I have given you this. And Jesus talks here with great urgency. Great urgency. Because see, the first part of that text says... Jesus is sending the 70 to the towns he knows he will not get to. Because he has looked to Jerusalem and knows that very shortly he will head to Jerusalem to be put to death. He doesn't have time to get to these towns anymore in his life on this earth and in the ministry in which he has been given here. So he relies on his followers... To do that for him. And if you note that it says in there many times, eat, eat, eat with them. Why does that matter? Because they're good Jews. And Jews couldn't just eat anything that was put in front of them. But Jesus says anyway, eat what is put in front of you. It's a way for you to be hospitable to your guests, to your hosts. Any of y'all ever had your kid that goes to, you know, Aunt Mary's house? And they say, we want mac and cheese, and she spends all day grating the cheese and all day fixing the macaroni, and the kid looks at that when it's put in front of them and says, we eat the stuff out of the box at our house. And you just want to slink under the chair because the child is not being hospitable to the host. This is what Jesus is saying. Somebody gives you something, appreciate it, eat it, even if it's not the stuff you're supposed to eat. Be good to them. Form a relationship with them. And then he says, cure those who need it. And tell them the story. Tell them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Tell them that this is urgent. It's important. They need to understand that God is doing a work in this world. So we have fellowship, healing, preaching, and teaching that the 70 are sent out to do. Some of you are about to fall out of your chair or have your teeth fall out of your mouth. Hold on. Because, friends, we're still the 70. 
We are still the 70, still called by Jesus to do the work of fellowship and healing and teaching and preaching to those in our midst to bring the message of the kingdom to those who may not know it or those who may not believe it. Jesus is very, very clear that when you do this, you will encounter people who say things like, not for me, nope. You tell me all you want about your Jesus. I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it. And Jesus is very clear. Don't worry about those people. If you know for sure that they're rejecting the word that I've given you, move on. Don't curse them as Andrew and John wanted to do earlier in the text. Don't be mad. Don't be frustrated. Don't be worried. Just move on. I, I got to tell you that today I am madder than the hornet at God. Am I allowed to say that? I have a very dear friend. When my ex and I broke up, the moving truck left and it was late in the day because they were incompetent. And I could not drive back to the valley and leave that late in the day. And so I have this vivid memory of my cat on a leash walking down the sidewalk in Chicago and meeting Diane, who was sitting on the stoop outside her home and just weeping and having her say, I've been there. We've been there. You'll live through this. Come on into my home. I'm going to feed you a nice meal and put you in a warm bed. And it will all be fine. And yesterday I talked to Diane and her wife has metastatic breast cancer that has gone to her liver. And she's yellow. And she's dying. And it just ticks me off. And anybody today who tries to tell me how great God is is going to get an earful. Because it's just not palatable for me right now. Now, I will get over it. And I will understand someday that there's a reason for this. And I will confess my sin and I will probably grow better and stronger in my relationship with God. But for today, I don't want to hear it. And when you go out into the world to tell people that the kingdom of heaven is near, you will encounter people like that who will say, I don't want to hear it. Enough. Don't worry about them. Just move on. 
Because Jesus is very clear that there are people who need to and want to hear this message which you and I have been given the authority to tell. The kingdom of heaven is near. God is moving in our world greatly and God wants you you to tell that story to people who need to be involved in the kingdom of heaven in being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And now I know I see your faces. Y'all think you're invisible when you sit and you go fall asleep in the pew and snore and stuff. You're not. I see you. (laughs) Some of you are thinking there ain't no way I'm telling anybody nothing. I'm not a theologian. I'm not articulate. I'm not the person who can do this. Jesus has given you the authority to do it. So yes, you are, first of all. But second of all, do you think the 70 had had doubts about what they were being told to do? Of course they did. But they come back to report what they have done. They met people. They fellowshiped with them. They cured them, healed them. They taught and preached and told the story. And they didn't come back and say, oh, we were a miserable success. That was horrible. I never want to have to do that again. They came back with joy. Saying even the demons, and this might be metaphorical too. You know that demon neighbor you have? That snake? Even the demons. Listen. Even the demons listen. What more for those whom we call friend? Whose company we enjoy? Whose hospitality we have been a part of? Y'all get so worked up about, oh, we couldn't possibly tell anybody anything about Jesus or church or God. How you live is telling them plenty, first of all. Hospitality is key. Listen, form a relationship. Heal and teach. And when I say teach, I mean tell your story. If people don't want to hear it, don't worry. But in joy, we know that there are people who will embrace this. Bring them along to hear that the kingdom of heaven is near. Amen.